0: Welcome to Signature Dish. I am Francesca Orsini. I am Hilary Orsini. Oh, whoa, it happened. And today we are talking to our dear friend, Jackie Major.
1: My name is Jacqueline Major and I'm the pastry chef at Butch and Babes Restaurant in Burlington, Vermont.
0: So Jackie, how did you meet Francesca? Francesca and
1: I met while baking in a very small bakery right down the street from a bunch of babes called Barrio Bakery. Did you teach her how to bake? I don't. I wouldn't say that I taught, she came in with a lot of precursor knowledge. And if I taught her anything, it was like how to mass scale that precursor knowledge.
0: You taught me how to do it quickly. Because yeah. Because I was slow <laughs> as <laughs> I almost blocked that out. <laughs> I would have to really think hard about something <laughs> like, okay, listen, <laughs> you're going to get all your stuff out, you're just going to lay it, you're going to measure, and then you're just going to assemble and be done, and you're going to move on to the next thing.
1: Yeah, I don't remember it that way, but it's fantastic that it's being told to me that way, because I've heard that for many people. <laughs> and now I can make cookie dough in like eight minutes. Because it's the same thing every time you do it. Right. It really is. Right.
0: Are your services in streamlining France processes for hire? Because there's some things I'm sort of thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that something else needs to be
1: prefaced, which is, on everything in my life that is not food-related, I'm asking Fran what to do. (laughs) When we go clothing shopping, I go in with a general idea, and I pick up things, and Fran goes, no, you're not wearing that, you're wearing this. And I'll be like, okay, thanks, that's what I'm going to buy. This year, she skipped the process on the bathing suit and just bought me a bathing (laughs) suit. (laughs) And I was like, great, thanks for taking that day out of my... Summer. Thanks. It fits perfect.
0: <laughs> there can be anxiety that comes along with cooking and baking and getting corrected. Was it ever hard to work together as friends?
1: Well, we weren't friends then, which um, I think is an important thing. Not that we weren't friends. We were, we were becoming friends. Mm, right. So there was really no tension put on the relationship at all. No. And she took it very well when I was like, Fran, you suck go faster, <laughs> which is something I never said, but
0: you didn't, but at one point you did point out that like, so I can make muffins in like 20 minutes and it's taking you an hour. I'm going to need you to move little faster. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah. Muffins, yeah. muffins were the first thing yeah. when you got in. I feel, yeah,
1: it feel, yeah. It's sometimes it's just best to go straight. Yeah. Straight with what you want to say. Yeah.
0: When did you know that you were going to go to culinary school?
1: Oh, that's a very funny question. <laughs> because it coincides a lot with um, fulfilling a lifelong dream and realizing that my SAT scores weren't the only thing I needed to get into college. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Because <laughs> I did real well in the SATs and a whole lot of and off in high school. So I was like wait, I can participate in this cooking competition and get a partial scholarship to go to school, and I'm not going to get that on the academic route. So I did that, and I entered a food competition that was called Best Teen Chef America. <laughs> oh
0: my god. And I made it to the
1: final round, and I placed like third. Is and I got a partial ch- scholarship in entrance into cooking school. Is that a joke? No, that's for real. That's, that's what amazing. happened to me.
0: <laughs> what did you make? Well, <laughs> were there they, rounds? There were <laughs> rounds. There was <laughs> two rounds.
1: But there, I was allowed to use absolutely no creativity whatsoever. You had to go with the set meal, mm-hmm. and it, the only creative part you got of it was like trying to plate it differently than your partner. And I have this very distinct. So one of the courses was shrimp cocktail for some reason, <laughs> which doesn't really seem like something you need to like. Like, there's nothing determining your cooking, your culinary aptitude in shrimp cocktail. It's shrimp <laughs> and cocktail sauce, which they gave you ketchup and horseradish sauce, like and horseradish grated. And like, make sauce! <laughs> so you put the two together and one cucumber. Oh, there's a lemon too. So it was like five shrimp, ketchup, horseradish, <laughs> a cucumber, and a lemon.
0: America's <laughs> next dish. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's almost just 17 year old kids in a room. Oh, <laughs> and so I was doing some sort of, I guess you would call it castle carving out of my cucumber because I'm like, I gotta really go for this. And um, yeah, so I was like making these like really tall spikes out of like like one cucumber and then I was like placing the shrine ball around it in this artful way. And I looked over, no shit, I looked over at the guy in front of me and he is hollowed out his cucumber and he's cutting ringlets. He then puts it on top. He's made hooks somehow.
0: (laughs) Out of
1: the cucumber, he hangs the ringlets on it, then he hangs each individual shrimp off of it. And I sit back, and I'm like, well, it's all over now. I messed up my shrimp. My castle sucks, and that guy has rings. Fun fact, I dated that guy in college because we all went to the same college after that because we placed top three, and you got an entrance
0: into the school after that. What was the second course?
1: It was some sort of, like, Marsala esque Dish. It had chicken and mushrooms and tomatoes and like some sort of. It was white wine, so it must have not have been marsala. Mm-hmm. It was gross. It's like cooking school food. It's the fun part about cooking school is is that the food is gross. It's not good food. Really? Yeah. They teach you like all food styles that are pretty much obsolete. And the that's a that's a different subject for a different day and a different <laughs> podcast. Which is culinary schools need to be overhauled.
0: It is an interesting admissions process to think that you should be competing in person for the uh-huh. spots. And I think it's an underutilized idea, <laughs> yeah. actually. It was like that, it was like a battle
1: royale of like these all, like, it was like 25, 17-year-olds that really wanted this partial scholarship to cooking school.
0: I don't know if it would have been safe to like put a face to the people who like kept me out of UNC Chapel Hill. I know, right? Like, no I'm gonna enemy. go after them! Did you
1: apply there? Yeah. That would have been cool. I didn't get it. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, so you get into culinary school, yeah. Yeah, I York. moved to
1: New York City from Baltimore, yep. which was kind of a big jump, yeah, because I was 17. And I moved there with my boyfriend who left three months later, and I was all by myself. What's
0: well, his first and last name? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel um, obligated to not say his first and last name because he blocked me on Facebook and is obviously bitter. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I got engaged,
0: blocked. Um, so. While you were in cooking school, you worked at a fancy-ass restaurant. I did, right? yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I worked at a few fancy-ass restaurants.
0: Tell us everything. Oh, my God. In New York <laughs> City. City.
1: Yeah, in New, New York, York City. City. And I was 19, and everyone that I was cooking with was, like, way older, and I was some child. It's really mm-hmm. funny to think about now, because <laughs> I know those cooks, and <laughs> I was that person. No, so I um, apprenticed for a short period of time at this place called The Spotted Pig, which is Chef April Bloomfield, I think her name is. She's kind of a big deal in the (laughs) gastropub scene. And then I went an apprentice full-time at Blue Hill, which is uh, Dan Barber's restaurant, his original, the original flame on Washington Square West, which no longer exists anymore, but that's where he put his Wasted series. Have you read about these? No. He did this, this chef, Dan Barber, he did all of these dinners that, like, were made out of garbage like something that you would normally compost in a restaurant which is kind of cool he i did not have a wonderful experience with him but he's kind of cool yeah yeah he's kind of a big deal
0: yeah. so that was that i mean they, they can't just have anybody in the kitchen like it must have been a big deal to be working with um, a shit like that right
1: yeah i mean he wasn't really there a lot but the guy that he had like running his show really knew Everything
0: possible. What
1: that do you could. do? Um, when, when you're, you're an care. intern in a very fancy restaurant in New York, you basically stand in a corner somewhere and peel stuff and use obsolete equipment that will electrocute you <laughs> and weep. And
0: weep. my <laughs> 19-year-old
1: <laughs> It was a lot like that, except there was a lot more on the line because you're in a three-star New York City restaurant, which is a really big deal. And uh, I remember like juicing cases of apples. And the machine that I was using to juice them was from the 70s, and it would give you the occasional shock. They also had a Vitamix mixer in that house. They were, they were making these huge batches of cauliflower soup, but it didn't latch all the way. And so it's like a four-foot tall blender, and like it would literally be like, Clear it out! We're dropping the grenade! And, like, one person who drew the short stick would go up and hit the button and then run, and the hot soup would burn everyone within a three-foot radius. (laughs) But but it was a really fancy restaurant, and it was set up um, kind of in the traditional French way, which is um, you have three stations, which is the fish station, the entremed station, which is any vegetables or side, and the meat station. You have all of these orders in, so simultaneously the cook at each station is sending down individual little portion pieces to the head chef who's standing at the, the head of the line, and he reads off the tickets and casually plates these $400 meals. Wow. So it's like, like, you know, like, I need six venison, five trout, and two vegan dishes. So he's calling that out, and at the same time, he's plating seven other tables food. And at the same time, it's like as fancy of a restaurant, that there's like six runners in the kitchen with you, like, surrounding... The head chef, and each runner only takes one plate because that's all you take (laughs) in those kind of fancy places. So six plates go up. There's six runners in there ready to like take it out to some lady that's doing blow at the table.
0: (laughs) Like it's
1: like this. It's just this like really funny system of like, you know. And then like they'll be like that plate's for Edward Norton, and you're like, whoa, that's cool. So I want to say I was there for four months, and on my fourth. Month I got invited to like actually work on the line, which was really cool.
0: How do they do it? Do they like tap you on each shoulder with a carrot? And it was kind of like <laughs> this. It was kind of
1: like this, like Star Wars, like you are now ready. Which <laughs> station shall you pick? You know, kind okay. of thing. And I was like, I like the meat station, please. <laughs> and I like worked with the meat cook, and like it was yeah, it was really cool. And then. My the day that I graduated from cooking school, I came in there for dinner and they made this like ten course meal that was like all catered to everything that I liked the most. Oh my god! In the kitchen, so it was like I didn't get paid. They barely knew my name, but they did this really cool meal and impressed my parents. <laughs>
0: yay! <It's> probably more <laughs> yeah. than you would. have made. <laughs> Yeah,
1: like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, I was working three jobs and going to school full time, and it was really insane. My life was awful, but it was exciting. So, yay! Yay. And now you can cook? And now I can cook, but that didn't really come from that. <laughs> that, opened, that experience opened the door to the place that like taught me to be the kind of cook that I wanted to be. Which, which was? It's pretty cool. <laughs> which was this restaurant called Savoy, and the owner was named Peter Hoffman, and he's like the badass green market guy. He's the guy on the East Coast that is doing everything that um, Alice, Alice Waters. Waters is doing in San Francisco. <laughs> 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 but I started there as the butcher. And like within six months was on the hotline and within a year it was the sous chef of like a really fancy restaurant.
0: You start out as the butcher? Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I started out as the woman who was down in the basement with no one that could speak English. Like, man, I I just went through three years of school. Like, this is bizarre. And you know, it's like a basement in New York City with dirt floors. So it's insane. The subway is going on under you. Yeah, exactly.
0: very small. to cleave a cow <laughs> yeah. <Dwarf> yeah. Her.
1: <laughs> and then like bringing like checking in the orders of like half a pig and like having to carry him down to the basement it was pretty insane I guess you can say that I showed them my spirit and like <laughs> that I was really ready to like do anything that they needed me to do which is like what you do when you're young in a cook is you you give them all that you can give because that shows I guess in this you know old school kind of way if they see that then they can tell if you're gonna make it or if you're not Generally that first job is where you know if like you're in this to be in it or you're not gonna do well.
0: What was the biggest takeaway that you got from working at Savoy?
1: Probably that I'm capable of a lot more than I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Because I went into that job thinking, like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to order everything that's got to be ordered for this restaurant. Our executive chef left during that time. So, like, there was a period of time where, like, they had a 21-year-old kid running their kitchen that, like, they're getting written about in the New York Times. Like, <laughs> this is a big deal, you know? And I did not think that I was capable of doing that kind of work. And if I hadn't had that job, there probably would have been a lot of jobs that I would be like, I can't do that. Or I'm above doing that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but, Yeah. When you learn that you can do everything, you can pretty much do anything.
0: (laughs) When you can do everything, (laughs) anything. No,
1: but seriously, (laughs) you know, like, if you tell yourself that, like, whatever, I'm going to make this work, so what? We're out of fish tonight. We're going to go with something else, and we're going to make these people happy, even if it means I have to jump into a cab and run down to the Chelsea markets and get whatever just was caught today, which you would do a lot of the time. There would be a lot of times (laughs) where you're, like, jumping in a cab, like, I don't know where I'm going, but they must have fish. (laughs)
0: Take me, to fish. Take me to the fish market! Step on it. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, fuck them in the cash yeah. cab. Exactly.
1: There were so many times where I hoped that I was chipping into the cash <laughs> cab. That was right around that era, too. I was like, I, how great will this be? I'll be in my whites. Everyone will know I'm top dog. Yeah, so. <laughs> Which is perfect segue into like why I left New York. <laughs>
0: So, Jackie, tell us, why did you leave New York?
1: Because I was too concerned with being top dog. (laughs) Go on. No, I think it's kind of a thing that when you live in New York for too long, you kind of turn into an asshole. And maybe that's not true for everybody, but it was certainly true for me. My patience was at a, a negative eight. Out <laughs> of a full yeah, a zero to ten? Exactly. You guys <laughs> probably know that at this point in my life, I can be pretty patient with things.
0: You have a toddler.
1: I have a toddler, and that's <laughs> all-consuming.
0: So you're a solid nine and a half.
1: half. Uh, but, um... <laughs> you're gonna play. That's back to you in 18 years. Uh. <laughs> No, so anyway, I, I like I was like, I got to take a break from the city, at least a break. And I had planned that I was going to go work on this farm. The farm was all picked out. You know, I was going to be living in a yurt for four months for the harvest season or whatever. It was going to be badass. I guess it was like six weeks before my last day, scheduled day at Savoy, the owner came up to me and was like, Jack, a friend of mine, my college roommate is opening this restaurant in this crazy island off the coast of Maine. Do you want to do that instead? And my literal reaction was, Yes. Let's go. (laughs) And, like, that next weekend, I, like, took an extra day, drove to Maine, checked out the restaurant, and was like, sweet, I'll move in in three weeks. And three weeks later, moved to Maine, to a crazy little island, and opened a restaurant there. And that was cool, too.
0: And was that the, that was the school?
1: No, that was the next- thing after that. We can go into that, though, we if should you want to. That? Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I worked for two years at this crazy little restaurant. Oh, you
0: had no idea it was that long.
1: Yeah. No. Well, it was, like, seasonal. So, like, when you're on these tiny islands that people only go to, you know, four months out of the year, generally the restaurants only open, like, six months. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, then I had a catering company for a while where I really catered to <laughs> the island elite. <laughs> And then I opened up this little, like, community market where I helped teach kid- young kids how to cook and butcher deer, which really? was the class series I did once. <laughs> and, like, all these old fishermen came, like, let's see this young girl cut- <laughs> break down these deer. And then I had, like, a cool sub-business going where I was breaking down everyone's deer. It was really cool. <laughs> I would get a call at, like, 5 in the morning, like, we got one. Do you want to come down and take care of it now? I'm like, I think I need
0: to stay for a little bit. Do you right. have a knife? for
1: that yeah yeah i had knives i still have them yeah yeah
0: so like if we have stuff like i don't know where we'd get it but if oh yeah yeah, i could do that across something
1: i can i can if it's got four legs i can break it down (laughs) you can learn these things all the time (laughs) it's pretty pretty much every animal is the same is is pretty much the same if if you're the God-fearing sort, you can <laughs> say that God gave you a map for how to break down the animal. It's very true. Like, there's literally, like, a line telling you where to go. It's kind of cool.
0: Intelligent design, unzip here. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't exactly say that I'm the God-fearing sort, but it's really cool having the map. <laughs> <laughs> if you were going to a lamb, I'll show you that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So was okay. So you you have your own business. This is all on vinyl Haven. Yeah, this is
1: all in like four and a half years time. I really like when you don't have a steady income, you can get into a lot of fun side jobs, <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of how I saw like my time on Vinyl Haven was like I'm gonna take this time because I'm if I was just working in a restaurant, I would never have time, mm-hmm. you know, because when you're working in a restaurant, you're there every day. Yeah, so I just decided I was as a goal I was gonna stick my hand in everything that I possibly could.
0: Animal-wise?
1: Animal. (laughs) Human-wise, too. We'll see. Um, (laughs) No. And I guess you can say that I took that here, too, because when I moved here, I moved here to open a restaurant, which I did not open, but took a job at a bakery because I had never baked before, and learned how to do that. And now I'm a pastry chef.
0: Boom.
1: Everything leads to something else. So you stayed
0: on, you never went back to New York?
1: No, um, the man that I met who like literally had like $75 to his name was wearing like all tattered clothing. And literally um, when I said, so what do you do? He took the cigarette out of his mouth, spit on the ground and said, I'm a fisherman, but I bang nails when I have to. (laughs) Literally, that's what he said to me. So anyway, three weeks after he said that, (laughs) he said, when do you go back to New York? And I was like, I don't know. And he went, why don't you just nod? And I went, okay! It <laughs> never went
0: back. <laughs> you, you
1: know, a toddler. know, now we are married and have a toddler. We got married well before the
0: toddler. Mm, yeah, You did. Your yeah, philosophy give us some... on food and how to work with it. First of all, you're, when somebody tells you they can't cook, you say... And...
1: <laughs> can you read? Right. Because they're pretty much the same thing. <laughs> if you can read a recipe, you can make it. And which goes along with my other philosophy. If you can, if you think you can do it, you can do it. It's, it's, it's You can. Trust me. Buy Joy of Cooking. You don't need the pictures. Just read the recipes. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, really it's... Nice. When anyone asks me what cookbook should I... Like, I don't really know how to cook. What should I buy? I always say Joy of Cooking. Because it's the most versatile. And it's really straightforward recipes. They don't gunk it up with pictures. And if it is, it's like some like cartoon noodle, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> it just like the, the Windows
0: paperclip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I picture. Yes. But you <laughs> It's exactly like that. <laughs> no, but I, that makes sense. You know, i got a lot of... Well, it's just like for me and for a lot of people, I think what actually gets in the way of making anything is the anxiety. Yeah, they overthink it. It's, it's your stress because... Yeah. When it goes wrong, you get nightmare dinner yeah. and you Well,
1: attach. no. And, like, the, like the, I think, like, where people get hung up is, like, um, dice one onion. Well, what's the dice? What size does that have to be? Is it big? Is it large? I did it wrong. It's over. Dinner's canceled. <laughs> <laughs> and most of the time, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. As long as, like, what you're cutting is relatively the same size. Because like, that's how you want to go about cooking because if you're thinking even cooking, you want things to be the same size so everything cooks at the same rate. Good philosophy for someone that says they can't cook.
0: We're stopping there. If you want to hear more, tune back into Signature Dish to hear Jackie's recipe.